Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Oh man, here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying coworker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Good morning to you, HawkFanatic.com, brought to you by Patrick Eads and his staff and service department at Deary Brothers Ford on Mormon Trek. Steve Anderson, Hawkeye Title and Settlement. Mike's E-Keys for Cars. Supel's Building and Remodeling, GT Car and his great crew. Supel's Flowers, home of 1-800-800-ROWS. The Midtown Family Restaurants. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, 101 South Dubuque Street, downtown Iowa City. The Sanctuary Pub on South Gilbert. Premier Automotive in North Liberty. The Oxyoke Inn and the Amanas. Streets Maintenance. Dr. Lance Forbes, Diamond Dental and Cedar Rapids. And Wild Rose Casino in Clinton. Uh, fresh from their appearance at uh, Wild Rose Casino. It's uh, Tom Suter with Pat Hardy from HawkFanatic.com. And we have Coach Don Patterson on the line. Okay, well, Coach, good morning and... Um yeah. Uh, take it away, Tom. <laughs> take it away, Donnie. <laughs> Good morning, guys. Uh, I, I made a comment to the captain. I said, well, amazingly enough, the sun came up yesterday morning, and yep. lo and behold, it came up again today. It so is beautiful today. I think we're going to survive Saturday night. We were wondering there for a while, but I believe we're going to survive. As bad as it seemed, I still think they're going to be 5-1 and one in two weeks. I yeah. think Michigan State, yeah. too. And that's more of a statement on who they're playing than where they are right yes. now. That's kind of, but five and one, and that's what I think Kirk will emphasize. Yeah, exactly. Uh, think of it this way. Here's what we cannot allow to happen. We cannot allow the loss to Penn State to count as more than one. Yep. Right. Uh, and sometimes you see that. If you have a really demoralizing loss, you know, if you want to feel sorry for yourself, you'll turn around and lose again probably. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm confident we're not going to do that. Uh, and I've got some examples in history that would indicate that we're not going to do that. And the primary reason I say that is because you've always heard me say, our football team always has great character. This team is no different than all those other teams. Um, so, and for that matter, uh, one thing I'll say to the fans, we need enthusiastic support on Saturday now more than ever. It's really important that we show up and support the team as we always do mm -hmm. against Michigan State. 
I, well, let me give you a couple, couple, couple of examples if I can. Sure, go ahead. Let's go back to the COVID season, COVID season of 2020. Mm-hmm. Game one at Purdue. We led 20 to 14 in the fourth quarter. We lost 24 to 20. Mm-hmm. Demoralizing loss. We got beaten in the fourth quarter, and it cost us a ball game. One week later, lost a 17 nothing first quarter late to yep. Northwestern. You remember that game? Yeah, Peters, unfortunately. Didn't Peters throw like 50 times? Yeah, final yeah. Northwestern 21, Iowa 20. Uh-huh. Game three in Kinnick. Do you care to guess who we played in game three? I should know this, but I don't. I... Uh... Happened to be the Spartans of Michigan State. Okay, okay. Ah. I know they won, of course. We were an angry football team that day. Uh-huh. The halftime score was 35 to nothing. Okay, I do remember that, yep. Yeah, the final was 49 to 7. Games four through eight. That was the COVID season, so we only played eight games. Mm-hmm. Five more wins, so we started off with two losses. We won six in a row. Five of those additional wins, four of them were double-digit wins. Yep. Or to think of it another way, five out of six, five out of those six wins were double-digit wins. The only one-score game, incidentally, was Nebraska that year. And Spencer played pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he mm-hmm. fans hadn't turned on him. And they, you know, none of that stuff had really started. I mean, there are no fans in the stands. I, yeah, I, our, our offensive numbers were good. They were pretty good, yeah. All, all those games. Mm-hmm. Got another example for you. Now we got to go 38 years back in time. I know you remember this season well. Uh, how about how about November 2nd, 1985, at Ohio State? Mm. We all remember that date. Yep, yep. Number eight, Ohio State, 22. Number one, Iowa, 13. After the game, when the goalposts were tore down, I made the comment, I don't know if we'll ever see again the goalpost being torn down after an Ohio State win over Iowa in the shoe. Mm-hmm. May never happen again. Uh, and it happened simply because that was an historic win for them. You yeah. don't have very yeah. many chances to beat a number one team. Yep, you, you but, got uh, it. But I'll remind the listeners, they were number eight. They were not exactly chopped liver. They were, no. they were good also. Do you remember what happened one week after I do. Ohio State lost? Tom, you do too, right? Uh, no. Back um, in the friendly confines. Well, I'll let you tell me. I do remember. It was over at halftime. It was. And for that matter, it was really over after one after quarter. After one quarter, it was over. Yeah. It was 35 nothing. Is that the Illinois game? Illinois. Yep. After one quarter. A good Illinois team. 49 nothing at the half. And the final score was 59 nothing, and we clearly didn't run the score up. Uh, but we were we were a football team that was angry. And Illinois happened to be the next one on the schedule, and Illinois paid for it. Okay, Don, now I'm going to play so, devil's advocate. Can I do that for a second? Okay. Uh, I think sure. some people listening will say, okay, yeah, that stuff is all great, but we're not capable of scoring, doing the kind of things that it took, even if you're all together and upset and pissed off and whatever, on offense right now to do any of that. Tom, do you agree with that? Is that is it, or, or is I, that... I would agree with that, but I want to give you a little something on that Illinois game that you were just talking about, 59 to nothing. We were playing in the Virgin Islands, our band at the time. Okay. And I knew the game was going on, and I went up and talked to the bartender, and I said, how is the Hawkeye game going? And he he said it was, what was it, 49 nothing at, at half? Time, he yeah. said 49 nothing yeah. at half, and I go, Oh, no. He said, no, you don't understand. So you thought Illinois was winning? <laughs> yes. What do you think of that, Don? Well, I can see that, that Tom might think that way, if only because we just lost our number one ranking. Okay, okay. 
And uh, uh, it was possible, possible we go the other way, right? Yes. Oh no. Needless to say, I, I was so happy. No, that was an incredible. That was one of the greatest games under that, and also your game against Illinois in 1990, Don, when Nick Bell and Tony, you guys just ran. That was a really good Illinois team, and that game was over at halftime. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. I, I remember vividly that game because we worked we worked hard on Illinois' defense even back in February and March. Mm-hmm. And it, that work paid off when we played them because we had a better game plan than anybody else had ever had. So, Don, what, what I just said, though, about the offense, I mean, we can kind of segue in because I get your message, and I'm sure that's going to be kind of the theme. This, I, They're going to be upset. I mean, but with what we saw on offense Saturday, how concerned are you about the offense being able to – create those kind of um, answers? Well, I used, I used those good examples. Uh, and, of course, they happen to involve one-sided games. But here's the reality. We don't get any stop points for beating somebody over the head anyway. Mm-mm. We just need to win games. Just need That's to win. All. Yeah. 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 What do we care about about thrashing somebody by 50 points? We don't have to. We just simply got to win football games. Uh, and, and score. Uh, certainly the players are, are capable of doing that. Yes. Uh, did you get a chance to watch Michigan State at all Saturday? I saw some of it. I I, I saw all of it. I saw mo- okay. parts of it. What do you, I mean? Your thoughts? Um. Well, they're very beatable. Oh, very beatable. They're but court. they hung around. They gave up touchdowns on Maryland's first three possessions. Yeah. And Maryland's good on offense. And they stuck around until the, the tail end. So They've got athletes. Yes, they do. That's skill players and their quarterback yeah, situation. I don't think though. they're just going to come in here and surrender by any No, means. no, no. Uh, and, and I've done the analytics on all the games from last weekend, and I do recall uh, Michigan State won any number of important analytics in the game. It was not a blowout win. No. And, Don, don't you think uh, Michigan... game? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, don't you think Michigan State... Say, my bad. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, don't you think the Michigan State players now are looking at the Iowa team as maybe a little more vulnerable? Just the the psychological part of it. Well, you know, look, they didn't fire a shot at Penn State. We can win this game. Do you think that helps them at all from what they saw Iowa perform against well, Penn State? Well, let's face it. They're going to they're be a more confident football team uh, than what we want simply because we laid an egg at Penn State. Mm-hmm. And even though they lost, they were competitive at least. They moved the ball up and down the field. Uh, you know, they can point to their turnovers. I think they were at least minus two or three on yeah, turnovers. Yeah, they were. And so, you know, in typical Michigan State, they're, they're notorious for shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, yeah, and, they did. Uh, in recent years, they've, they've done that. Okay, so, Don, let's look at last Saturday. I mean, we all watched it. What, of the offense, just how do you explain, I mean, 76 yards – one of nine third down and Don have you four ever, first downs four first downs but the but probably the most stunning stat was ninety seven plays for Penn State thirty three for Iowa what did you witness how do you explain what what we saw well when I saw those those difference the difference in, in um, frequency of offensive plays uh, I know this I've done analytics in the Big Ten now for the last eight years and all but one of those years involved sixty four games I, I think the COVID year I think we had fifty games. As I recall, so you do the math. That's 500 Big Ten football games. I made the comment after the game. I said, I don't think I've ever seen a differential of 97 to 33. <laughs> Pretty sure I have not. Uh, I did see in the paper this morning somebody had looked at every FBS game over the last five years, and that was the biggest. That was the biggest differential of any football game over those. I saw that on Twitter. Over, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Over those five years, so it's rare. I mean, obviously, two teams have to 
cooperate to make that happen. <laughs> we had we had ten possessions, and you think about it, we had thirty-three snaps and ten possessions. That's three point three per play. The first two drives, I believe, we had six plays and mm-hmm. five plays. Yeah. And then we had three or less for the next six possessions. And finally, at the end, we had a couple extra plays. So that gave us a total of 33. Uh, incredible that that could happen in a game. And obviously, as the as that game plays out, your your strategy kind of changes. All you're really doing is thinking about engineering a first down. I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta crawl before you walk. You know you. So let's just figure out a way to carve out a first down. We couldn't do it for for almost 50 minutes, I guess. Uh, I think our first two first downs were in the six, first six minutes of the game, and the last two were in the last five minutes, I believe. So it sounds impossible to do, but we did it. And, and let's give a lot of credit to Penn State. They sure, are very absolutely. good. They're good. Yeah, Real I'll good. remind you guys a week ago, I made the statement. I said the Penn State fans can realistically uh, have an expectation that they are more than capable of beating oh. both Ohio State and Michigan. Yes, this yes. Year. I think so, too. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, they may very well do that. They certainly have a great chance to do it because it all starts with outstanding defense and protecting the football. If I'm not mistaken, Penn State hadn't turned it over yet, I think, this year. I believe, no, that's I, correct. I believe that is correct. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. So they had some amazing stats. Of course, they had 100, 110,000 people that were that were happy to be there, too. Um, I guess maybe 1,000 of them were for us, but that still leaves 109,000. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a tough night. And then on top of all that, uh, let, me, let me remind you of this. Uh, it's pretty amazing, really. Usually in a game, um, one team is luckier than the other team in a game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'd say the breaks even out, even in one football game. I've always maintained they don't even out necessarily from game to game. They do even out over an entire season. But it's safe to say they were the lucky ones. Yes, for sure. And we were the unlucky ones. And it's pretty amazing. You know, it's rare when a, a punted football goes off of the blocker's back. And, of course, Cooper was screaming, but, you know, obviously uh, our number 17 couldn't hear him. Des Fernandez. So, uh, so yeah. that was unfortunate. And then – Here's another one, unfortunate. Typically, when uh, when a return man muffs a punt, the ball goes to the yeah. cover team. And but not this night. Nope. You know, the ball goes off of the punt returner. It turns off of a Cooper. And to the credit of the punt returner, he did a good job of hustling to get on it because Cooper was right there with him. Great point. Trying to beat him to the ball. Uh, the ball could have taken an unfortunate hop for Penn State, and we could have gotten the football then, but it didn't happen. So I am I am reminded of something that Coach Brazier used to say, and it's a good time to bring up Bill's quote. You're never as good as you think you are, but you're never as bad as you think you are either. Well, right now, if we allow them to, we got some players that feel like they're pretty bad, uh, but they're not that bad. You know, we simply had a lot of bad luck, and we ran into a bus in, in Penn State. Yeah, and yeah. I agree with all that stuff. I think the frustration is it's the same recipe for losing it. I mean, if they lost 41 to 34 and the offense had 400 yards, would you be as depressed right now? Uh, no, of course not. But, right. well, see, the two, the first drive that we had was Looked excellent. Fu- it was nice. And we, I was thinking, we can move the ball yeah. against these guys. If only we can hang on to the ball, we can win this thing. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. that was it. It so, never. 
two things I've been yeah, asked. Let me to- mention this too, because you guys know this is true. I've said this before, and it really is true. The question might be: What if Iowa scores even a field goal before Eric lost the possession of the ball? What if he, what if we score a field goal or a touchdown? I would say this: I, I honestly believe it's it's possible that the game would turn out considerably different. I do expect they would have still beaten us because they were, they were just a superior team. Yes. To what we were. But the game would have had an entirely different score attached to it, and for that matter, an entirely different stats. Yeah. Maybe we would have lost, you know, 31 to 14 or something. So, I don't, who knows what the score might have been. So you think, though, had they made a field goal or scored there, that all of a sudden the offense would have started executing? I'm, is that is that kind of what you're saying? Because Well, it's simply this. I'll say this. Uh, they gained confidence as a defense because – I'm sure they were surprised just like we were. Let me, let me get this straight. We've given up two first downs mm-hmm. in the game, and we're in the middle of the third quarter. That's pretty amazing. Right then, they, they thought they could jump over the Empire State Building. Mm-hmm. Um, so their confidence was at an all-time high. Our confidence, meanwhile, was in the toilet. Uh, you know, we lost confidence. Anyway, you slice it. Uh, I'll give you an example. It's one of our best players, but I couldn't help but feel that he was even discouraged. And you probably know who I'm going to talk about. It was Cooper DeGene. Cooper DeGene. Yeah. He got frustrated. Yeah, Cooper was Cooper was demoralized, and we all understand that. But I would simply tell Cooper, don't show that to the other team. We don't have to. Uh, you've always heard me say, never let them see you sweat. I always say that for the benefit of the head coach. And sure. Kirk never never lets anybody see him sweat either. So Kirk, you know, Kirk presents the right image to the players. Uh, of course, he's concerned, but he's he's not going to go into panic mode. Mm-hmm. No way in hell. Uh, so, you know, they had an all-time high level in confidence, and we were demoralized. And it, it showed up even in Cooper's case. I thought at the end of the game, Cooper didn't play like Cooper normally does. I think Cooper would even admit that. Uh, it only means he's human. Sure. You know, he was discouraged. But we always had an expression for a player uh, that was a ultimate compliment to a player, and that that was a term war daddy. Uh, and war daddy simply suggests it doesn't matter what the score is; that guy will never give up. You'll have to kill him to beat him. And uh, that's what that's what we need to be on our football team. We need to be war daddy mm-hmm. to overcome the worst possible um, development of the game. Well, number one was playing well and was talking a lot to Cooper. You could tell uh, Lambert Smith is not um, the how the Penn State receiver was having a good game, but he was he, he was letting Cooper have it. And Don, that's what star players are going to receive, though, right? They wanted to get under his skin, and it, you know it worked. Yeah, it did. Okay, and it's a it's a learning it's a learning lesson for Cooper too. You know, Cooper's still a young guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he'll he'll realize that that was not the right way to handle uh, the adversity on Saturday, and, and you just gotta never say die. You know, you just gotta keep playing. And uh, and never never even show that you're frustrated. Of course you're frustrated, but you don't have to show it. Okay, Coach. Now it seems that at the start of the games on offense this year, we have actually moved the ball pretty darn well. I believe in in each game, and those tend to be scripted a group of scripted plays. Is that correct? You know, I don't know for sure that we go off a of script. Uh, of course, a lot of teams do script the first ten or fifteen plays. Mm-hmm. I was never a huge fan of going off the script, and I'll tell you why. Some of those plays on that script are better suited for certain down and distance than others. So just to arbitrarily go down the list calling plays, 
And clearly that's not the best way to do it because you need to fit the play to the down and distance and to the field position. Uh, so just to automatically go off that script is not a good way to do things. Uh, tell you what I did at Western, which was kind of fun. I was always, probably like you guys, I was a, fa- a fan of David Letterman. And you remember yes. David Letterman with his sure. top ten list? Yes. Yep. Well, here's what we had. We had, a, we had a top ten list of runs, a top ten list of passes. I didn't pick all 20 plays. I picked half of them. Mark Henderson, the offensive coordinator, picked the other half. And I promise you, those 20 plays got run in probably almost all of them in the first half. And if they didn't get run in the first half, they were certainly going to show up before the game ended. But they were going to be called at, at, at the best possible time, or at least at a good time. You know, we didn't want to call them at the wrong time. I'll say it that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that worked better for me because I would simply go off that and and in my play sheet on the front page of my play sheet. Imagine it was a big piece of uh, hard paper copy folded in half. So you had it was like a book. You know, you had an outside cover. That's where those top twenty plays were is on that outside cover. Then on the inside cover, you had one page of run, the other page of pass. And then on the back page, you had critical downs, you had red zone offense, you had unusual, uh, uh, you had exotics, you know, exotics were on the back page. Uh, so it was as organized as I could be to fit on four on four printed surfaces. You follow me? Yes. 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 And when you folded it, was it was the size of a normal eight and a half by 11, mm-hmm. as I recall. Uh, I had to use pretty small fonts sometimes, uh, and that meant I had to go with my my readers, uh, especially if it was a night game, you know, because I needed to be able to see fairly small print. I didn't want to make it too small; I couldn't couldn't read it, of course. So I always went as small as possible, still to be able to see and and independent. Sometimes I'd need my glasses if it was a day game. I'd probably be fine just with sunlight, you know. Mm-hmm. You showed. You, when you taught that class to us uh, last year, you showed us that sheet that you're talking about. I, I was fascinated with that. Yeah, I think it was a really good way to do it. Uh, it was. I've never seen anybody else do it that way. That's just the way I did it. Uh, but I have shared it with other coaches, and I think the response has always been, hey, that's a good idea. I think I'll do that. Um, so I don't know the way we do it. You've seen a lot of those call sheets on Sunday you know, when they give you a close-up of the bench. And in the NFL, they're even bigger printed surfaces. They're printed on both sides, of course. And it's got to all be color-coordinated so that the play caller can find his information in a hurry. The one problem with just using two sides and making a big copy, invariably it seems like you end up starting off by looking at the wrong side. <laughs> uh, so that was the beauty of having it in a book form. I knew without even looking at it which surface I had. And in that regard, I never had to spend time flipping to the other page. Okay, well, looking at this offense, there's so many things that stand out for the wrong reasons. But for me, the inability to run, of course, is an ongoing theme. But the inability to get the wide receivers the ball anywhere close to downfield. We have 14 receptions through four games by the wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, what, Don, but it's nothing unusual, though. This has just no. been the last couple of years. Don, what's going on? How can they fix that? Well, you've got to engineer it. I mean, you, all I can say is you've got to spend time just simply thinking about this. Let's put our thinking caps on and let's figure out the best ways. I, I was poor with that. The best ways of getting the ball to our wide receivers. You've got to you've got to be smart with formation. It's got to be based not just on guessing how they're going to line up. You have to have a good idea of how they line up. 
But the beauty of it, as we get into the season, we got four games of video just from this fall to look at. So I believe we can get a lot of good information out of those four games. And we have to engineer uh, the ideal plays to get the ball to those wide receivers. And, uh, and it's not simply just lining up and calling plays. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to re- it's going to have to require a lot of thought. It's going to have to require a specific formation. you got to look at not just the formation, but do we put it into the boundary or put it to the wide field? Do we, do we create the formation by motion or do we line up in it? Do we jump from one formation to another formation? All those things have to be thought out. Mm-hmm. And obviously you think about those during the week because you've got it all lined up for Saturday. And for that matter, you practice that way. So the, the players aren't surprised that you motion from one formation to another. It's the same thing you practice during the week. You know, they have an idea that the motion is going to create this look out of the defense, and that's the look we want. And that's why we motion in the first place, mm-hmm. is to engineer what we want. Now, that's high-level football, but that's what you got to do. So, Don, there was a couple times they looked confused. You know, timeouts, it just looked like not everybody was on the same page. And one time I looked out there, and you had Eric All, you had Caleb Brown, I believe, and you had maybe Seth Dan- I'm like, those are all, I could be reaching here, but... And Caleb Brown didn't join the program until this summer. It's at times it looks like they're not on the same page. Could this be transfer portal, just fallout, just the fact that these guys haven't been in the offense for three years? And sometimes, because it looked like there was a time where Caleb Brown flanked out maybe when he shouldn't, and McNamara called it. You remember that, Tom? Yes. McNamara. And I'm not trying to single out Caleb Brown for blame. It just looked like there was confusion. Could that be due to rosters, uh, how fluid rosters are now? Well, sure. Yeah, that contributes to it. You know, Caleb Brown is, is uh, you know, he's a young man. He's playing in front of 110,000 people. Um, maybe it's a, a play. Maybe we practiced it during the week, but maybe he wasn't in there when we practiced it. That's why the coaches, I'm sure, always emphasize you can't just rely on physical repetitions. you got to on, rely on mental repetitions, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't run the play on Wednesday or Thursday. I'm sorry, Tuesday or Wednesday. We're off on Thursday. Maybe you didn't run the play either day. But you saw your teammate run it, and you were getting the middle reps. You were standing back, and you were watching, and then you were able to say, oh, I get how it's supposed to happen. Uh, and maybe the, the route that the other receiver ran was not exactly right, but he gets coached from from his position coach. You know, that route's acceptable, but it's not the best route. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how to make that route better. You know, all those other receivers have to be listening to that. And, of course, if it's in a film room, it's pretty easy to listen What's a little tougher is to listen when you're outside on the practice field. That's why the really good players, they're able to really focus, even in practice on Tuesday or Wednesday, they're really focusing on exactly what's happening from one play to the next. Okay. And um, I was telling Tom before the show, McNamara has 459 passing yards in um, four games. games, I believe that's fewer the yards than what Chuck Long had in the Freedom Bowl, so that just for those stat people. But – Don, this is a broad question, but what would you, if you're the Brian Ferentz, what do you say to Cade McNamara right now going into this week? I mean, I, I know things haven't been great around him, but I think, is it fair, Tom? Would you agree? He hasn't played very well. I mean, no, he has not. Is and that, he, a, is he that a fair that. assessment? He, he has not that. played very well. Well, let me point this out. It's hard to play quarterback when you're. When you're getting hounded by pass rush. Oh, I get it. I yes. know. I, I get yes. you. I get you. the pass yeah. rush and the inability to run the ball. The same stuff that hurt Spencer Peters. Oh, Can we agree on that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. One of the things I liked about about 
Tate going into the season, I made the comment even to you guys, uh, Tate's going to be better at, at extending plays than, than Spencer was. I'm not beating up on Spencer, I'm just stating fact. The reality is that because of his less than 100% health status, he's really not that much more mobile than, than Spencer. Not right now. No, you're right about that. No, yeah. you're right. Yeah, we saw that it wasn't just a naked. We actually blocked it. We actually blocked the edge rusher. I'm talking about the bootleg that he ran. It, it was, was per- executed play. perfectly, yeah. Yeah, we blocked the edge. There was nobody up the field even to pull up Cade. Uh, the bad news is we st- they defended the receivers that were deeper down the field. Cade was in no position to throw the ball down the field because they, they were covered. But it did give Cade a chance to run for 18 yards. And it was a hard 18 uh, and, yards. And, you know, one reason that play worked is we haven't run any nakeds or bootlegs with Cade. Uh, Penn yep. State wasn't worried about a naked or a bootleg. They didn't expect us to run one. Well, we ran it, and it wasn't pretty, you know, because Cade was less than 100% running down the field. But at least it gained 18 yards. Mm-hmm. It worked. No, you're right. It did, yeah. And yeah. I think for Cade, he's never played before without a running game. This is completely foreign yeah. to him, and that's tough, Don. I mean, they they had no semblance of a running game, and I know the pass blocking was bad too, but there was no running game. Yeah, that's a problem, no doubt about it. You know, it helps a lot just to be ahead of the chains. When you're ahead of the chains, now you can actually think seriously about play action pass. You know, because they've got they got to be in the mindset that they got to defend the run first and foremost. It's uh, one good example was third and two against Western Michigan. First time we had third and two, we went play action pass for 35 yards mm-hmm. um, to um, to Luke. Uh, that was a good call. That was a good play because they expected run. Yeah, we've been running the ball down their throat. We go play action, and yeah, we're open. That's what's supposed to happen in that situation. But uh, obviously, play action is not going to be worth much if they don't really have to honor the run. If you're not running the ball well, those DBs could care less about supporting the run because the ball's not getting to them anyway. And that's um, when I think that's one of the misconceptions about Hayden. Everyone talks about the exotics and how he opened it. Yeah, he did. He changed the way Big Ten football is played. And Don, you were right there, of course. Hayden loved a running attack. I remember 42 carries for 250 by Cedric Shaw up at Michigan State because that was the best way for you guys to win the game that day, right? Yeah. And one of the things I've always been able to say about those teams back in the 80s and 90s, and I used it in recruiting sometimes. We're the kind of offense that can run for 300 one yep. weekend and throw for 300 the next. And if you can do that, then you've got the other team where you want them. You know, they don't really know what to do. Exactly. Um, so we're not going to get there anytime soon, of course, because we simply don't have the horses to be that, that effective. But we don't have to be that effective. We just have to be able to, you know, be a bigger threat to run the ball than we, than we were Saturday night. And uh, we're going to have to have a chance to do that, of course, against the lesser teams. So speaking of, of the, the rushing attack, how much of the, our inability to run against Penn State was part of it due to the top two guys being out, or was it simply nowhere for anybody to run? You know, I don't think that had a whole lot to do with it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You remember, Tom, a week ago I made the comment, I'm impressed with the freshman running backs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were representing pretty well right now. Uh, so even even the best running backs, of course, need need yes. uh, ideally need great blocking at yep. the point of attack. Yep. So um, you know we struggle to run the football, um, but the problem really centers around can our five offensive linemen account for their five players? You know it's it's not easy, and the fact that one man gets beaten it might ruin the play. Mm-hmm. 
that's the challenge of being an offensive lineman. Uh, you've heard me say our All-American center blocked his guy every snap of the game. The only problem is did the other four guys get their blocks? Yeah. You know, because if one or two of them fail, then it's probably going to be enough to ruin the play. Well, even what they brought up during the game when they were talking about the struggles with the offensive line, this is not a young unit anymore. No, they reeled not. off all the starts nope. by these. We got three year starters. These guys are old veteran players now. And interestingly, the uh, Rusty Feth played a little bit. Dejon Parker's been hurt by, but the transfer portal, Feth didn't play a lot. It's the nope. same five guy, and it's just not happening. I mean, it's now you wonder is it ever going to happen? Well, those five players, of course, need to take ownership. Uh, and obviously, it's kind of hard to improve in leaps and bounds from one week to the next. Mm-hmm. But they have to—they have to understand they are responsible primarily for giving our backs room to run. And um, and sometimes the assignment is really, really hard. That would be the, the case with Penn State. Other times, it's not—it's more realistic that we can get the job done. Uh, obviously, Michigan State's got good athletes. It's not going to be easy against Michigan State, but it's going to be easier than it was last Saturday. Yes. I promise you that. Yes. Easier circumstances playing at home. Yes. And I, yes. like I said, I watch Michigan State. They've got some. They've got issues at quarterback, though. They, they do. And the one that's been starting was limping pretty bad Saturday, but Aaron Kim, I believe. Yeah. They've he, tried three. and they've He's just, got troubles, Yeah, too. they've got troubles. So, so Don, no, like I said, I, I would be surprised if they're not 5-1 and one in two weeks. That's no knock on Purdue. But if we look at the Big Ten, Don, I mean – there's some really mediocre teams. How do you explain Minnesota giving up 37 points at Northwestern? You know, I saw. I just saw the the uh, abbreviated version of the game. Some of those snaps. Uh, Northwestern. I got to give those guys credit. Yes, man, they were an inspired football team. They were down. If I'm not mistaken. They were down 21 nothing. I believe. Uh, I think 27 back. to 10 too. Wow. Yeah, uh, it was an amazing. Uh, I, I do remember this because I look at it analytically. Minnesota won the first three quarters of scoring. They won each of the first three quarters. Yeah, and then fourth collapsed quarter at the scoring, end. Yeah. Fourth quarter scoring, 21 to nothing, as yeah. I recall, mm-hmm. uh, to put them in overtime. And is it any surprise that, that Northwestern won in overtime? Incidentally, that's a good example of what I'm talking about. Are you aware that, that Northwestern scored the winning touchdown on the first play of overtime? I did not really. No, I didn't, get a, I didn't yeah. watch that game. Did not see yeah. that. Minnesota went first and kicked the field goal. Northwestern went on the field and scored from 25 yards out. And I guarantee you, that play they ran is a play they hadn't run all night, but they had an idea it was going to be there. Interesting. And I don't remember exactly how to describe the play, but it was a, it was a well-conceived play that left the guy wide open down the field. Sometimes you, you have those situations. Those are the plays I'm talking about that are on that top ten list. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that you're confident are going to work. Now, they still require some execution. I always used to remind the guys, listen, I appreciate that you have great confidence in our ability to call plays, but you can't lose sight of the fact none of them are magic calls. Mm -hmm. They all require some execution. So understand, you still got a job to do. A great play call is still not going to guarantee success. Uh, You know, obviously it has a good chance to work, but we wouldn't be calling it. But it still requires execution on your part. And, yes, of course, the offense has to get better, but I've said this before. I mean, that Minnesota-Northwestern game, to me, is just a byproduct of the West Division. I mean, I, Nebraska, I watched them. not imp- Illinois is not that playing good, good right now. Uh-uh. Purdue is not playing very – I mean, Don, even as bad as things seem right now, other than Wisconsin, 
I still think Iowa has an edge on all these other teams in the West. And with Wisconsin, I'm not totally convinced on them yet. I still can see this team winning nine to ten games, as bad as things were last Saturday. Absolutely. Let me let me just reveal this to you. Uh, Lisa pointed out this morning, power ratings are, are updated on a weekly basis by the athletics. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're any kind of authority. But the truth is, most of the power ratings are very similar. Yeah. You know, they're based on all kinds of scores and analytics and whatnot. Uh, only one remaining team on our schedule is currently ranked ahead of us. I'm sure that's Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. We're ranked 44th. Wisconsin is ranked 31st. Uh, so let's take care of business in Kinnick against Michigan State and Purdue, and then let's get ready for a showdown game one week later at Wisconsin. And if we take care of our business the next two weeks, it's entirely possible that we'll be ranked ahead of Wisconsin three, week, three weeks from sure. now. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, but, but uh, she did quote all the other rankings. Uh, some of the teams in the Big Ten are maybe ranked in the 60s. They're behind us, but maybe not not way behind us. Others are ranked in the 70s and 80s and maybe even the 90s. So, uh, on paper, we're going to be favored to win all but one game. Yeah, yeah. And that's on that's on paper, and we have got to play better. Well, I do my rankings on Mondays, and I've, I'm going to have Iowa 6th. I'm going to put my – I think I'm, Maryland is going to be – I'll have I'm going to have Maryland fourth, Wisconsin fifth, and Iowa sixth, and from seven on down to the I mean it's going to be. But obviously you got the big three, and Maryland's not bad. I mean they are four and zero. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, and I think right now Wisconsin just has a little bit more of a, an edge over Iowa because of how bad Iowa played Saturday. But right. no, I'm but no, this schedule is so winnable because Nebraska's not as good as I thought they were going to no, be. Are they? Not to you? Very good, huh? None of the teams in the Big Ten West are as good as I thought they might be. They're just – so like you said, Don, this is a very winnable schedule, and that's what Kirk is going to emphasize, right? Kirk is not going to panic. Right. He's not going to panic. He's simply going to remind guys, we have a great opportunity to win this weekend in front of our home fans. Yep. We have a chance to build momentum into the Purdue game the following weekend again in Kinnick. And if we're, if we're winning these next two games, we're headed for Camp Randall. And even the experts are going to say it's going to be a coin toss. Oh, yeah, they will. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a good yeah, series. It'll be a very small, very small spread. It'll be a game that can go either way, and we have to be good enough to win in Camp Randall, too, of course. Chris, now we're sitting here saying, you know, gosh, we can win all these games. You know, they're not, these teams aren't as good as we are. But they still got to do it. But they're sitting there saying, man, we, we can beat those guys. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's going right. to be real the interesting. Reality is if, the reality is, if we don't play up to our potential, there are all kinds of people that are capable of beating us. Yep. yep. Yes. No, that's a great uh, so point. So you've got to go out and play up to your abilities. You have to encourage your teammates to do the same thing, uh, especially when we're playing at home. We have an advantage with our fan support. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's going to give us all good reasons to win another football game. The loss of Lachey, is, it's significant because it just seems like he was a security blanket for, well, for Spencer and in a lot of ways for Cade. Um, how big is that? I mean, the running backs, I'm with you, Don. There was nowhere to run anyway. I don't think it would have mattered. But it seemed like Luke was always there when stuff wasn't going well, and he was always an outlet during tough times. It's his, his loss is significant, isn't it? Yeah, and all Luke can do at this point is be the best damn leader he can be from the sideline yeah. and from the classroom, from the practice field. I'm sure Luke's going to do that. I've, I've publicly stated he's one of my favorite players because mm-hmm. he's always got a smile on his he face. Does. I'm sure his teammates love him. Uh, they do. He was, a, he was a hell of a good player, too, and 
I hope Luke. I haven't talked to Luke, but I hope he comes back. It's his decision, of course. I'll support him whatever he does. But I'd like to think he wants to come back and and set things right for next year. Okay. Well, we haven't mentioned. Uh, have we mentioned the name Brian Ferentz in this podcast? We have not. Um, at this stage, though, I mean, if you're Brian Ferentz, Don, what do you? I mean, he's getting. Kill, not that he cares, but I'm, everybody cares about what people. But he's getting killed on social media. As yeah, you, I, mean, yeah, I mean, it's just. I mean, I had somebody reach out to me and say, "Hey, you're going to have the guts on Tuesday to ask Kirk why he won't step down." And that stuff's all. All that ridiculous yeah, stuffs out yeah. there. No, I'm not going to have the guts to go to Tuesday and say that Kirk should be fired. And what? But if you're Brian Ferentz, Don, what do you do right now to just to stay the course? And what would your advice be? Well, you've heard me say before, and you've asked me that this question before. What can we do to improve the offense? And the simple thing that comes to mind for me is we need to expand the offense so that we're not quite so predictable. Uh, is it any wonder they played wide middle screen well? Because, you know, we, we kind of wore it out. You know, we, we ran it successfully in any number of games, except this game, they covered that too. Uh, doesn't surprise me that on third and seven, they thought we might go wide middle screen because yeah. it's something we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do have an idea of what our tendencies are, certainly. Uh, brings up a good point. And long yardage to deal with pass rush. The one play that comes to mind for me, and I'm not guaranteeing it's going to be, be a help, but I think it might be a help. We do need to look in the, the long yardage situations to see is there a way we can, is there a certain formation we can get in uh, and be able to run a draw play that might have a good chance for success. But let's face it, if those edge guys are screaming, screaming at our quarterback, the one thing we can do to help those tackles is run a draw play up inside those outside rushers. Mm-hmm. Now, we still got to get some people blocked in the box, of course, uh, but let's face it, uh, if you're if you're getting sacked too many times to count on third and long, uh, at least a draw play has a chance to make positive yards. It has a chance to slow down the rush a little bit uh, and maybe, you know, take the, um, take the edge off the pass rush because they, they realize – they're reminded all over again. They may be running a draw play. So now I still want you to pass rush, but I want you to be prepared yeah. to try to redirect back toward the ball. You know, if the ball's handed off sure. on a draw play, you've got to be able to try to rally to the ball regardless of what your pass rush mode was. What about screen passes? Would you like to see more screen passes, Tom? Um, screen passes are a little bit tricky simply because screen passes against man coverage are a problem. Okay. Uh, because there's somebody manned up on that back, right? Okay, okay. Uh, and if you're manned up on the back, you're going to basically you're going to mirror his movement, which means you're going to have a chance to get to the back maybe before the blockers are able to get in front of him. Uh, there are ways to run screen passes um, against pressure looks. We ran a sub-screen way back in game one, I think it was, that was an effective Jason play. Patterson. Yeah. 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 So you can cross teams up. In that regard, you know, maybe they think this back's not getting out because he's got to block this guy. Well, not if the quarterback understands he's not going to block him. He's actually going to act like he's going to block him, and then he's going to look for the ball. And you, you lob the ball over that pass rusher, and off we go. So, bottom line, you know, we just have to be aware of whether it's zone or man. Uh, you know, if it's man, certain screen passes you probably should get out of uh, but, of course, a lot of teams, maybe in third and long they are. Uh, it depends. Every team's different. You know, maybe they play a lot of zone on third and long. Other teams might play a ton of two-man. You heard me talk about two-man. That mm-hmm. means five under-man underneath with defenders manned up on those five receivers and then two safeties over the top as insurance. Mm-hmm. 
You thought of that? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Uh, and if your quarterback's not much of a threat to run, then you don't even need a spy. You could simply still rush for it, right? There'd be five guys sure. manned up, yeah. two guys playing deep. That still leaves you with four rushers. If you want to put a spy on the field, uh, now you're down to three rushers. But one guy's at least fine for the quarterback that, that might be uh, more inclined to pull the ball down and run. Um, I don't I don't think that's who we are right now. No. Shade's injury. Uh, incidentally, I did see a quarterback that impressed me with how he could run. It was Mordecai. the guy Hudson Card, Hudson Card at Purdue. Oh, yeah. That guy, can he can throw a football and he can run. So can Tanner Mordecai. And Tanner Mordecai is ter- terrific. You've seen the Wisconsin quarterback? Yeah. Not was Friday. Right. He's another Friday, one. He's yeah. going to be – yeah, you can't just forget about him as a running guy. No. Because on, on long yardage, if you wanted to go two man, as I mentioned, and you don't have anybody manned up on the on the on the quarterback, you know he's off and running. He you know is. it's a light box; they can block six guys in the box. You're you're all those man defenders are chasing the receiver. They don't even know the quarterback's got the ball. Yeah. So those those kind of plays, you are aware if a guy's a good runner at quarterback, you better be careful not to just assume he's never going to run the ball. Yeah, he was much quicker than I. I thought he was just a passer from SMU, but he can really big and he's strong. Yeah, he can really cause some problems. I was impressed with both those quarterbacks. I was too. I was too. I was too. Purdue could have Purdue could have collapsed, but they 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 hung in there. I mean, you can see. I mean, they've got some fight in them, but they they they've just got some personnel issues right now, wouldn't you say, Don? They're just not. Well, I couldn't help but notice. I'm I'm happy for Tyrone Tracy because Tyrone Tracy. Mm -hmm. A major player for him. He's running the ball and running it effectively. Turning kicks. Of course, he's a threat, to, a threat to catch it coming out of the backfield, or maybe even just line up in a slot. Uh, you know, I was impressed with him. Mm-hmm. I've always been impressed with that, whatever that running back's name is. Uh, Maccabee? Uh, yeah. Devin Maccabee? Yeah, he's got kind of a crazy running style. But he, he does. He's, a, he's got pretty good numbers for all the games he's played. Yeah, no. He's, uh, they, you know, the only that relates to Purdue, and, and Brooke and I sit in our house and watch Purdue because mm-hmm. she's a Purdue grad, as you know, and uh, she made the comment. She said, Dad, it looks like the same kind of Purdue team they've had in recent years. They they can move the ball on offense, but they can't stop anybody. And I said, yeah, and the irony there is they hired a coach that had a reputation as a great defensive coach. So the obvious question, if you're a Purdue fan, how come our defense is not better? Could it be because uh, the off former coach was an off? Well, could it be that the former coach was more of an offensive coach, and there were better offensive players in the program than defensive players? Were, and this guy needs a little well, bit of time no to build his roster. Mi- no doubt they are missing a guy named Charlie Jones. That's for sure. Yeah. Incidentally, we didn't talk about it last week, but I, you guys are probably aware. Charlie Jones with an eighty-one yard yeah. punt return. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Good for him. Good for, for the Charlie. Bengals. That, I'm so happy for Charlie because he's a great young man. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure the Bengals aren't going to worry about trying to figure out a way to cut him anytime soon. And A.J. Epinesa had a pick six yesterday. All right. Um, so, yeah, I no. I didn't know that. You and know, Sam AJ Laporta won. leads all tight ends yes. in receiving. I mean, Sam Laporta is playing like an all-pro tight end, not missing a beat. Well, it's incredible. And, and you know how I feel about yes, Sam. Yes, he's one of my favorites. Uh, Great know, guy. I, I always said Sam's going to do really well on Sunday. And I still remember it was amazing. You can get inside early on. The very, when Sam reported in camp, the very first scrimmage was a lot of young guys versus young guys. Mm-hmm. And after they were done, I only wanted to look up one freshman to congratulate him for how he played. It was Sam Laporta. And I said, Sam, I'm excited to watch you these next few years because I know you know the tradition of Iowa tight ends. 
you're going to be right there with any of them we've ever had if you keep your head on straight and do all the right things. And he said, Coach, that's my plan. And I said, well, carry out that plan because you're going to have a chance to leave here as a great player. You were right about that. that. Yep, great kid, great character. I mean, he really symbolizes Hawkeye football under Kirk. I mean, what they stand for. And as a Bears fan, I'm not real thrilled. But, yes, we we got a little bit of time. We're going to – all right, Don, I'm going to ask your NFL now. What the hell, man? My Bears are terrible. Did you watch any of that yesterday? You know, I did watch a little bit of it because Dana Hughes does – uh, he does Chiefs radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a matter of fact, I'm going to do a game with Danon uh, for the Missouri Valley here in three weeks. Uh, in the irony, it's going to be Youngstown at South Dakota. But you'll laugh. In this day and age, I'm going to Kansas City to do the game. We do it from a studio I in know, Kansas it, City. It's happening a lot now. Yeah, and as you're aware of any number of games, even on network TV, uh, the announcing crew may not even be at the game. How much harder is that to do a game that way, not there? You know, I've never done one, so I am a little bit concerned this will about be it. Obviously, you, the only thing you can see is the same thing that people at home can see. Sure. All you got to go by is, uh, I, I say that. Now, maybe they have another camera that you can look at in the studio. I don't know. I've never done a game from a studio. It's going to be different, a different kind of challenge. But Danon is doing the game as well. Uh, and, the, and the Missouri Valley has done this for a few games. Uh, they started off doing it when we first started doing games for them about five or six years ago. Uh, early on, they, they assigned me with Danon and with a play-by-play guy, and they thought it was novel because you had you had two analysts, one that was looking at the game from a player viewpoint and the other that was looking at it from a coaching standpoint. And, and it, so it does give you a little different uh, a little different flavor to the game, you know, because you got two analysts and one play-by-play person, and Cody can't talk after every play because you have to figure out how to fit in all those pertinent comments from one play to the next. I saw on Twitter that Danon had John Streif down for, uh, the, for yeah. the game. Yes, I thought that was really cool. There's pictures of John with Danon. Um, yes, yeah, so I thought that was a really cool moment. So um, you look at these games. This past, did you watch any of the Ohio State-Notre Dame game? I know it was on at the same time as Iowa. I'm just curious. Did you I watch? did, uh, and I um, – I'm happy for the Big Ten, of course, that they knocked off Notre Dame. You don't want to hear that, I guess, do you, Pat? Not really, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's a good game. It was a good game, and I'm not, I am not. I expected Notre Dame to lose. I just did. Incidentally, I like Notre Dame's quarterback, too. I do, too. I do, yeah, too. he's the real deal. He's a really good player. Uh, and so they've upgraded at quarterback. They have a really good team. I don't know who else is left on their schedule that's similar to Ohio State, but they certainly have a chance to win out and still be part of the playoffs. Yeah, and um, Ryan Day afterwards was animated. He was pissed off. I mean, Lou Holtz, why do people even pay attention to Lou Holtz? And he, Lou what Holtz, ba- say? I don't know what he said. He said Notre Dame's a better team. They're tougher. Just kept saying. This uh, was beforehand. Yeah, right? and of course Lou's going to be biased toward well, I get sure. it. But it backfired, and it, it worked for a psychological edge, I guess, because Ryan Day's like, you know, we're a tough team. I'm so he called out Lou Holtz after the game, and then you have the Oregon coach who basically said he used they they want they want substance more than so he was basically calling out Dion. So you got people arguing about that. So how much do pregame speeches and stuff, Don? You're there. How much do they matter? I mean, how much when a coach gets that team together right before kickoff and gives that emotional? How much does that impact what goes on in the field in your eyes? I think sometimes it matters a lot. It does, okay. Uh, other times, I don't think it matters much at all. So the challenge for a coach, what can you say to the team that will have that kind of effect on them? 
And it's kind of a crapshoot. You know, you don't know for sure. I'll give you an example. We we lost to Jim Trestle. Uh, he was at Youngstown at the time in mm-hmm. my first year at Western. And we were playing at Youngstown, and I made the mistake. It kind of relates to the, um, to the um, Penn State game from Saturday night a little bit. Uh, but in a, in a crazy sort of way, we were on the goal line, and we all we had to do was score a touchdown to beat them. Uh, and we had two downs remaining. We were third and goal at the one, I believe it was. Uh, Youngstown takes a timeout because you know it's, they're thinking, well, they're going to score, and we can't let them run the clock down too. But it was late in the game. Our center comes over, and he's really excited. He said, "Coach, we can sneak the ball for a, I said for a yard." And he was a really smart player. Ended up as a coach. And uh, he said, yes, coach. He said, those A-gaps are open. We can sneak it in. I said, okay, fine. Let's do it. And I said, uh, so we lined up and we snuck the ball across the goal line um, for an apparent touchdown. And then Youngstown was dejected, except they realized nobody's calling it a touchdown yet. They're playing at, we're playing at Youngstown, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, um, the um, umpire, the guy that was behind the linebackers, he comes running forward. And he quickly moves the ball back across the goal line and is quoted as saying, you didn't score, you didn't score. And I'm thinking, his job is not to spot the ball anyway. It's just the job of the line judge and the head linesman, right? The guy's on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And so now they put it on the one-inch line. They they have to put it on the one-inch line because we, uh, you know, they didn't feel right about putting it back on the one because we'd already scored once. Um, they took the other time out. And now we're on the one-inch line. And I said, okay, let's run motion because they're going to think we're going to run off tackle because that's our tendency. And then I sneak the ball across the goal line again. We did it again. We snuck it across again. Youngstown thought it was a touchdown. And then again, they realized, oh, my God. And it was a huge pile of bodies. That's my point. Huge pile of bodies. And the longer it went, the more we knew we're not going to get the call. After the game, the bus driver said, Coach, you need to know this. We were standing on the one-yard line when you were on the one, and you scored on both plays. And they were Youngstown. They were bus drivers from Youngstown, and I said, "Yeah, I know," uh, but I learned a lesson that day. Uh, be careful about sneaking the ball because if you're on the road, in their defense, it's hard to identify forward progress. Now, the, the, the irony is it relates to Penn State. They had a line judge that came off their bench. You noticed and spotted the ball, and I think gave them a very favorable spot. I remember. I yes. recall the play. Yes. Yep, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And people said, should Kirk have protested the call? I don't think it would have done any good because the video was simply inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big pile of bodies. You really couldn't tell where forward progress was. And so it would have probably been a waste of time. Um, so I learned that lesson. And matter of fact, think back to, matter of fact, it was Iowa against Michigan State. Let's go back to 1984. You might recall Chuck Long mm-hmm. appeared to break the plane uh-huh. in Kinnick. Against Michigan State, we did not get the call. Remember that? I do remember that. One year later, Hayden famously said, 47 pop out sucker, and Chuck, be sure the officials see the ball. (laughs) And and Chuck went across the goal line, he had it over his head. I wish he hadn't had it over his head, but I guess the odds are a million to one that it might slip out of his hand. Uh, So it it worked out, and and we got revenge on Michigan State. We should have gotten credit for beating them the year before, too. Don, I've probably asked you this before. We're going to ask again. Was Hayden a big pregame speech guy? Like right before kickoff? Uh, yes, he was. Um, one of the funniest ones is what he said before the Texas game. 
And he actually told a joke that the players thought were really, really funny. And I, I don't think Hayden would mind me sharing it with you a little bit. I won't give you the details, but Hayden did say it to the team before we played Texas. And, of course, you know how much you want to beat Texas. Yes. Uh, me too. I told my players, I said, you guys, please understand, I wanted to wear the uniform that's on the other end of the field here in pregame. And I wasn't good enough to play for Texas. So if you're wondering, this game does mean a lot to me. I told the tight ends that. And um, – Wait a minute. What year was that? I um, might have been coaching 84. quarterbacks and receivers by then. We're talking the Freedom Bowl, right? Was, you're right. It was 84. Yeah, I was yeah, coaching tight ends. Yeah. yeah. And um, anyway, Hayden's joke, he did mention to the players, he said, do you know why Texans wear those big belt buckles? And nobody knew, of course. And you have an idea what the answer was. It was because they could uh, cover up their little dinky private parts. <laughs> And um, and the players thought it was funny. Sure, it I think funny. it's funny. I'm laughing. I hope I don't get in trouble for relating the, the jokes. Don, have you listened to this? Have funny. you listened to this station before? <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm safe with the uh, I, captain? Is he safe? You are safe. Oh, the head man's putting on his. Yeah. Are we are we okay or have we crossed the line? No, no, the line's uh, way far. The it line. was funny, and you know the players knew this game meant the world to all of us from Texas. Uh-huh. And let's face it, we had a lot of co- coaches from Texas. And uh, so they, I think Hayden felt, you know, I need to loosen them up a little bit. I think they're too tight. They want to win maybe too much if that's possible. So he told a joke, and it worked. I think it worked. The players laughed. We all went on the field, and we proceeded to wear them out. And your wide receivers uh, were open. Everybody was just wide oh, open the dang. whole game. Chuck was right. I mean, it's so interesting how football can be so different. I mean, now the receivers can get in hardly any space. Don, your receivers were just wide open. Was that just Texas having no clue what you guys were going to do? Or was it just you guys were Because it's not like you had a bunch of world beaters at wide receiver. You had good ones, but you know what I mean. You yeah. had some walk-ons. Your guys were wide open. What Did they have no answer for you guys? Well, you know, I've, I've told parts of the story before, but I'll share this with you. You might recall a year before, we had a really good football team in yes. 1983. Yes. One of our best offenses ever. I'd put it up against the 85 team, even as far mm-hmm. as offensive football goes. And we thought we were going to go to the Fiesta Bowl. Of course, there weren't very many bowls back then. The only problem, we didn't realize that Ohio had a lot more TVs than Iowa did. And so we lost out to the Fiesta Bowl to Ohio State. And then we thought we were going to the Cotton Bowl. And back then, the Cotton Bowl was a big bowl. It sure was. Yep. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, and to our dismay, we found out because the chairman of the Cotton Bowl Committee was Hayden's old sports information director at SMU. And so we we heard from him, I'm sorry, Hayden, you're not going to be playing in the Cotton Bowl because Texas gets to pick who they want to play, and they don't want to play you. That was Fred Akers, you might recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, they chose Georgia, and the Iron, they had a chance if they could win the Cotton Bowl. They had a chance to win in the national title one year earlier on, on that 1983 season. Uh, and the funny part, talk about ironic, they handpicked Georgia because they thought they could beat Georgia, and then Texas muffed a punt on the minus 10, and Georgia drove 10 yards for the game-winning touchdown. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's how they lost to Georgia. One year later, and, and Fred Akers even said, no, I don't want to play Iowa. And the reason they didn't want to play Iowa is the same reason that you've heard me mention that Miami said they got too many man beaters. That's why Miami didn't play man against us when we played up here. Uh, you know, Sonny Lubick, a great coach. Uh, you know, you've heard the story. I said, Coach, that's a great game, but what happened to all your all your man coverage? He said, are you crazy? It caused us problems two years ago. He said, you got too many man beaters. We weren't going to play man against you guys. And uh, 
And sure enough, Fred Akers was right. He didn't want to play Iowa because one year later he lined up in a lot of man coverage, and we we beat man coverage too many ways to count. Just wide open. And, yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, he learned the hard way. So a lot of it was what we call man beaters. They're plays that are designed to beat man coverage. And and that and was without Ronnie Harmon because Ronnie was injured. I guess I forgot that. I do remember that Robert Smith had a big game. John Hayes had a touchdown, I remember also. Yes. I don't remember how we scored all of them, but I do remember – a check through for whatever, 400 and something yards probably. Like 460 uh, and, or something. And it was a ton. Yeah, and we didn't run the score up because we it was 55-17, but we had 55, I believe it was 55-17, I think. I believe that's we what it was. We had 55 in the third quarter. And and you remember this, Chuck came out of the game, Mark Vlasic went into the game, Mark Vlasic gets injured, and we got no choice really but to put Chuck back out there. Maybe the third quarterback was injured too, I think. And so Chuck went back in. And I'm sure Texas is like, oh, my God, don't tell me they're going to do this again. And we didn't. We basically just ran the ball and ran the game out. And it was pouring down rain, Uh, wasn't it? It was. That probably helped that we didn't – Texas didn't have a huge fan base. I do remember this talking about player morale. I think this might have actually affected Texas a little bit. We knew that Texas – maybe that was back in the days where budgets were a little bit tighter. Uh, But think about this. Texas, I remember – their plan was to get on a plane after the game and go home. We didn't do that. You know, Hayden always thought about player morale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hayden said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to spend one last night, and then we'll come back the next day. We'll give the players a chance to visit with their families after the game. He knew that meant a lot to the players. It still means a lot to the players. Sure. So uh, Texas is going to get on a plane and go home. Maybe that hurt their morale a little bit. I know they complained about it to our players. They they said, you guys aren't leaving until the next day? And our guys said, yeah. And they said, yeah, that, we sucked in because we're going home after the game. Hmm. And uh, the players said, well, you know, we're planning on having a chance to visit with our parents after the game, so we're not doing that. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, those little things might make – I don't know if that affected Texas at all, but it's not hard to imagine it might affect a bunch of 20-year-olds a little bit. Do you remember what Hayden said before the Illinois game in 85 after the loss at Ohio State? Because something obviously worked. Does that yeah, anything I stand don't remember. out? I don't remember exactly what Hayden said after that game. I don't think he had to say much at all because we were an angry football team. Okay. You know, we'd been number one for half the season pretty much. Yep. And we lost that ranking. And we wanted to demonstrate that that game last week against Ohio State was a fluke. And you sure did. And yeah, yeah. Boy, Illinois did wouldn't argue that point. Incidentally, that Illinois team did finish third in the league that year. Yeah, no, they were a good they team. They were good. Yeah, they were. Okay, well, before we wrap, I mean, um, this, I mean, Saturday was bad. I mean, we've been through It's almost like Groundhog Day here. The, the offense is struggling. But, again, like I said, Don, I'd be surprised if they're not – if they don't win these next two games. And don't – that's Kirk's approach going into this week, right? One game at a time, flush last week. That's what you got to do, right? Yeah, let me give you guys reason for optimism. Okay. Uh, and you might argue this point, but I think I think it's an amazing stat. Uh, it's an amazing stat, of course, that they had 97 plays on offense. We had 33. What is maybe even more amazing is that none of those 97 plays were explosive. That's a good plays. point. You're right about that, yeah. The longest play huh. went 19 yards. Mm-hmm. For Penn State, the only explosive play in the game belonged to us. And it happened to be exactly 20 yards. Uh, but we had one, they had none. So in that regard, our defense is not broken. No. We're still, you know, all those, all those, uh, all those thought processes that we have about keeping the ball in front of us and reacting up and tackling 
with good effect. Uh, let's face it, they didn't they play us to death. They just four yarded us to death. Yeah. They were and, relentless. Uh, I give them credit for showing showing great patience. You know, they converted any number of times, and and, and to their benefit, a lot of them were third and short or mm-hmm. even fourth and short, of course, and they had an excellent conversion percentage, and they did a great job of staying on the field, mm-hmm. uh, and we did a poor job of getting off the field. That's that's one thing our defensive players will hear. Somebody's going to step up, and in that regard, Phil Parker's going to try to find ways to step up and, and help those guys in critical downs, too. You probably noticed this. Remember right before the half when they were on the minus one yard line? Uh-huh. I don't know if you noticed or not, but we brought we brought a free safety blitz, I believe, twice. Yeah, in twice. The game. Yeah. Number one was in the backfield, and and why is he in the backfield? Because because Phil Parker's trying to generate a safety. That's yep. why. Yeah. Yeah. He was trying to get yep. some points. Yeah, so. and uh, and Phil's doing the right thing. That was a good call on his part. So um, the point is, uh, our defense is not broken. You know, we ran into a really good Penn State offense. We allowed them to stay on the field far too often. But oftentimes it was a matter of a few inches or a matter of a couple of feet. Uh, you know, we hung in there. My God, we just got worn out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I made yep. this comment. And let's go special mention to three players. They're all on defense, of course. Uh, Jay Higgins, 18 total tackles, 10 solo tackles. Nick Jackson, 13 total tackles, 8 solo tackles. Two and a half tackles for loss. That's 31 tackles involving those two linebackers. Impressive. Uh, those guys, and I, I'd be willing to bet they might have both played 90 snaps in that game. They, we didn't sub much, as you no, saw. No, they did not. And Ethan uh, Hurkett started. guys, I, I promise you, they were running They were running on empty when the game ended. Uh, but they fought through it, I think, about as well as anyone could. Yeah. One other player to single out, Ethan Hurkett. Oh, just... Nine total tackles. Five solos. He's I couldn't playing, help but notice him. He's playing well. So, you know, even in a, a lousy night for Iowa football, those guys, I think, played played championship football. That's not enough players to win a game, of course, but at least those guys deserve to be cited for for really being mentally tough throughout the game. Well, you're right about that. Before we wrap, I want to, you know, this trivia question, ask Andy Cronbaugh, yes. does this, this one I think you guys will find interesting. I don't think you're going to be able to answer it, but this will show you how much Big Ten football has changed, Don. Okay, okay. question. Last Saturday's, in last Saturday's matchup, both teams' punters, Iowa's Tory Taylor and Penn State's Radley Thompson, were natives of Melbourne, Australia. How many Big Ten teams have a starting punter from Australia this season? Anyone, anyone I'll say five. Don? I'm going to make a guess and say seven. That's eight. Oh, jeez. Here it is. And One. Iowa Tory Taylor, Penn State Rally Thompson, Illinois Hugh Robertson. Wasn't he an actor? Um, Minnesota Mark Crawford, Ohio State Jesse Micro, Purdue Jack Angel, Rutgers Flynn Appleby. That's an interesting name. Wisconsin, the best name, Atticus Bertrams. Indiana punter James Evans is from Auckland, New Zealand. So that's nine altogether. Incredible. Don, is, Don, did you ever think you'd see something like that? No, and the good news is I wouldn't trade ours for any. I wouldn't either. I, I no. wouldn't either. And I've heard there's another one coming from Australia, that they've got one eyed well, up. Well, that brings up a good point. You know, it's not hard to imagine we're going to win the kicking game this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to imagine we're going to win the matchup, our defense versus their offense. Yep. The only question, of course, is what about our offense versus their defense? Here's the good news. You've always heard me say, if you win two out of those three matchups, you probably win the game. Uh, so Maybe. we don't even have to we don't even have to show up better than uh, Michigan State's defense, but we do have to be competitive 
in putting our offense out there versus Michigan State. If it ends up being a push, we're going to win the game anyway mm-hmm. uh, because we're going to win those other two matchups. Well, got to score some points yeah, if they get one seven, way or another. If they get 76 yards, they're going to have problems, but I don't think Michigan State's no. going to hold them to 76. No. So I feel pretty confident, but still have to play the game. But Don, as usual, great stuff. I'm thinking we're going to be talking to win when we do this a week from now. Fingers crossed. Got to keep your fingers crossed. Don't take it. But you know that's what Kirk's not going to assume anything. So, But great stuff as usual, Don. I know there's no answer for my Chicago Bears. They are... I mean, their offense is worse than Iowa's right now. I mean, that's. I mean, it is bad. Well, I don't know if it's worse. Well, maybe not. I. Um, well, I wouldn't put Don anyway. on the spot. I'm not going to put you on the spot on that one, Don. But hopefully, we're talking about a win next week. Enjoy this week and uh, look forward to it. Yeah, let's just remind our listeners: the glass is very definitely half full. It's not half empty. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Coach. Yeah, Thanks, yeah, Donnie. Take care. Yeah. Well, he obviously hadn't been at your house at night with that scotch glass. That's always always half empty, isn't it? Uh, I you prefer like that to think segue? of it. I prefer to think of it as half full. half full. Okay. Yes. Right. We went to Hungry Hobo on Saturday. I know. And you I got a number bring, thirty-two, and it was great. Didn't bring me anything. No, we ate. Um, no, we didn't eat there. You wouldn't have been here anyway if we had. But it was I the know where I live. It's it was the authentic Hungry Hobo too. The number thirty-two yeah. was exactly what it was with. To, God, it was good. And oh, Sooners the one who saw the sign. I Hungry Hobo was good. And we, it took a little time to find it. It was real good. Oh, no, it was really good. I miss it. I miss it dearly, Hungry Hobo. And Timmy So Flynn. somebody listen, open up a Hungry Hobo again. Yes. Somebody. And Restaurant have, tours. And do it over on Scott Boulevard, not far from Court Street. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want this to be completely self-serving. <laughs> well, why not? Have, I haven't checked because I haven't walked that route. Is the Marcos thing open yet? No. It's, no. It's been a year. Yeah, I know. They need a... But, okay, they need an exhaust fan. We land on comets. I know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I do not understand it. Well, I don't imagine... uh, I don't know why. uh, Mark does either. Wouldn't they have been better off just keeping the Melios there? You would have thought... Yeah, what but is? Marcos is open. Oh, yeah, I know, but I don't live in Coralville. I want yeah. the one over here to be open, and that's what they told well, told us. One, uh, you know, by uh, Northside. Yeah, it's delicious. And it's good. Northside. What do you good. mean, Northside? The Northside, uh, Iowa City. By where though? I mean, that's. It's just the, down the street the, from. Um, uh, did, a block places? and a half from the Hamburg Inn. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Away from Pollyon. Really oh, so, but north of downtown though. Or no, north or, or yeah, shucking, it's north of downtown? I, I don't know. I always call it the north side. Okay. Well, it is. It's called the north side. Okay. Yeah, it's now called I the north know, side. Now I know less I about where I thought I named it. Now I know less <laughs> I about where not. this place is. I'll never find it. <laughs> but no, I would like to see, because I remember. Um, it's really good. And I, I just, but, and so they obviously have exhaust fans at those places. Yes. Why but, can't this place get an exhaust fan? We don't know. I have no idea. And I asked Mark Paterno about that when we were in there a couple of weeks ago. He said, hey, I don't know. He said, it's, it's a mystery. Isn't that Ambrose building? I don't know. I think it's been sitting vacant for a year. Yeah. Back to the yes. Hawks? Yes. No, but, but no. we need to take a break. We oh, yeah, let's take a break. Wonderful spot. <laughs> we'll be back. 1-800-800-ROSE. 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist, is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. one 
1-800-800-ROSE. It's so easy. Just remember one number, 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist. 1-800-800-ROSE. Remember. For a gift that your loved one will treasure for a lifetime, find it at our family-owned jewelry store in Iowa City, 13 and Stocker Jewelers. We can show you diamond engagement rings, colored stones, fashion jewelry, and watches. Our jewelers are on site, so we can design jewelry for that special person in your life. We are 13 and Stocker, serving Iowa City and the surrounding area for three generations. 13 and Stocker Jewelers, downtown Iowa City, and 13andstockerjewelers.com. As for Willa, Terry, Tim, or Kate, one of us is always there. Wild Rose Casino and Hotel has a wonderful offer for you. Our $99 hotel special is back. Just $99 gets you an overnight stay, $25 dining credit, and $25 in casino free play. Valid Sunday through Thursday in October only. This special must be booked by September 28th and only by calling the hotel directly. $99 for a room, up to $50 in dining credit, and $50 in free play based on double occupancy. Hurry, this offer is only good through Thursday. Call the hotel today, 243-9000. That's 243-9000. Tell the front desk you want the $99 Wild Rose Wonder Fall Special. That number again is 563-24. Uh, who are we kidding? You're going to Google the number anyway. 99 bucks for a room and up to $100 in free play and free eats. Only at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Clinton. You'd rather be here. Offer based on double occupancy. Must be 21 or older. Exclusions and blackout dates may apply. Are you tired of living in a home that doesn't quite meet your needs? Then it's time to call the experts at Streets Maintenance. Their team of skilled professionals specializes in renovations and remodeling, transforming your home into the space you've always dreamed of. From kitchen bath remodels to complete home renovations, no job is too big or too small. Streets Maintenance will work with you every step of the way to ensure your vision becomes a reality. So don't wait any longer. Call Streets Maintenance to schedule your consultation at 400-4483. Let's start building your dream home today. Once upon a time in the land of the Hawkeyes, a business grew. A business that would become synonymous with real estate. Hi, I'm Steve Anderson of Hawkeye Title and Settlement. When you're buying or selling your home, you'll need title and settlement services. Consider the Hawkeye Title and Settlement team. Give us a call at 351-8600. Hawkeye Title and Settlement, the team you love, the people you trust. The Sanctuary Pub in downtown Iowa City has been a fixture since 1972 and still features a classic menu such as the classic shepherd's pie, handcrafted pizzas, and craft beers and cocktails. The Sanctuary Pub is known for its warm and cozy atmosphere. That's the perfect place to spend time with family and friends while enjoying live music. Support great local food with socially distanced dine-in, carry-out, and delivery through Chomp Delivery. The Sanctuary Pub is located at 405 South Gilbert Street. Full menu options are online at SanctuaryPub.com. Come experience the Sanctuary Pub. You won't ever want to leave. Don't let just anyone take care of your smile. At Diamond Dental, you can expect compassion, expertise, and a personalized care plan to protect your teeth for life. With more than 30 years of combined experience, Dr. Forbes and his staff are prepared to tackle even your toughest dental problems, leaving your smile healthy and sparkling. Diamond Dental offers a full range of general and cosmetic dentistry, as well as dental treatment options for snoring and sleep apnea. 
It's never too early to start thinking about what's best for your smile. Schedule an appointment today by calling 319-390-3703 or visiting the office at 5815 Consul Street Northeast, Suite D1 in Cedar Rapids. You can also visit DiamondDentalPC.com for more information. Dr. Forbes is a proud sponsor of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and the Inner Circle. Let the Diamond Dental team provide superior care for your entire family. Car won't go into gear? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair, in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs, brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventative maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't go into gear, see Premier Automotive in North Liberty. When you go to a family restaurant, you want three things. One, a wide selection of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items. Two, you want those selections to be affordable and delicious. And three, you want to be treated like family. You get all three at the Midtown Family Restaurant. Breakfast items available anytime the doors are open. Legendary tenderloins, onion rings, and hot roast beef sandwiches. And special ribeye and shrimp nights. Daily specials at each location. And no matter if you're coming in solo or with a group of 20, you get the same special family treatment. The Midtown Family Restaurants at Cordon Scott streets and at the walmart plaza on highway one west follow them on facebook or at midtownfamily.com the family's waiting for you. gt car owner of Supel's building and remodeling has been offering unmatched service and quality for over 25 years the trained professionals at Supel's building and remodeling will install and guarantee the products used in any job no matter how big or small they also stand behind their work and offer no nonsense exceptional customer service from design to completion and beyond whether it's a simple window replacement or a major house edition. You'll have the confidence that Suples Building and Remodeling is committed to quality. Visit suples.net or call them today at 319-337-2246. If you're looking for a new or used car, truck, or SUV, you should know. Deary Ford is here for you. To give you the best selection and pricing on new Fords, Deary Ford is here for you. To work with long-term experienced sales and service reps, Deary Ford is here for you. To give you the highest trade values, Deary Ford is here for you. To provide pickup and delivery and mobile service for our customers, Deary Ford is here for you. Hurry in or shop online at DearyFord.com. Football fans, this is Bill Leichsenring of the Oxyoke Inn. We are on your way to or from the game. We're ready to serve you with the same quality food and customer service you've come to trust for over 80 years. The Oxyoke Inn is serving our famous Sunday brunch buffet with lunch, dinner, banquets, and carryout daily. From our Oxyoke family to yours, we can't wait to see you again soon in the heart of Amana. The Oxyoke Inn. Hawkfanatic.com is back. Okay, got some big announcement. Got some news news. for you. Breaking news. Homecoming game against Purdue, 230 kick on Peacock. On the Peacock. Peacock. On the C. Yeah. No. No. We can't even call it the C network? No. No. What are you, Mary Poppins? Yes. (laughs) No C. (laughs) And that C could be. No. No. It could be standing for the Champion Network. Yeah. Would you rather us call it the P Network? <laughs> you don't have a problem with the P? Yeah, the Peacock. It's Peacock. Okay. It's Peacock. Well, there you go. That's the fallout yeah. from losing 31 to nothing to Penn go. State. Yep. Yeah. So. Okay. 
So well, it was going to go that way. You know, they were going to well some games on there anyway. They, I know, but the Michigan it. State game was supposedly going to be on the Peacock, and it wasn't because they were yeah. – because yeah, they may regret They may that regret now. that, yes. Um, yeah, because Michigan State is a team – I mean, Iowa's got problems on the field on offense. Yes. Michigan State's got problems everywhere. They do have some good athletes, but that is not a very good football team right now. They, they aren't. Um, uh, D'Antonio's teams always played us pretty tough. But his teams were good. They won 12, 11, 13 games, won Big Ten titles. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're, they're nowhere near that right now. But him being on the sidelines, it, he may be able to yeah, give them some Yeah, did nothing when Washington came to town and lit him up for 41. I mean, Washington just destroyed him. Washington's really good. Washington which, is real and good. And they got the former Indiana quarterback who was terrible against Iowa in the 21 season. Now he's Michael Penix. He might be the leading candidate for the Heisman right now. How about the Iowa State quarterback throwing for almost 400 yards? Yeah. That was a big win for them at home against Oakie State. But, I watched um, part of that game for, because it was nothing I, I cared just, about. And it, it was a pretty good game. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, I give Oakie State credit. They fought to the end, but that was a big win for Iowa State because, man, their remaining schedule is brutal. I think they're at Oklahoma this weekend. And I was wrong. Saturday, I think I mistakenly said that Rutgers is not on Iowa's schedule. They are. They are. And I, 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 what, what happened, remember, we had a couple conversations going on at the same time. Yeah. I think I was talking off the – and I said something. But, yeah, no, Rutgers is on Iowa's schedule. It's here. It is. So, I mean, do you have the schedule in front of you? I do. Well, just read it off, and I'm going to go through and tell you how I think they're going to uh, do. Let me take this call. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Hello. Hello. <clears throat> how Hi. do you get Peacock? You uh, download it. Yeah, you download it. It's a streaming it. device. Do you have a Do you have a smart television? TV? Yeah. Do I have a smart TV? I don't have a smart anything. <laughs> well, then you're not going to see the game. <laughs> Unless you go to a bar or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah, go to a bar. <laughs> well, if it's here, I'll be at it. But... Oh. Well, oh, no, there you go. Yeah, Good. It's here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, well, the Cubs, <clears throat> they finished up a sweep over Colorado yesterday. But the trouble is, <clears throat> the two teams they have left to play are both top in their divisions. Yeah, so but they I may be know. holding some. Atlanta may. Out. Yeah, you never know what Atlanta's going to do. And I will say, and then you have uh, the Brewers. In fairness to the Cubs, they did sweep the, a bad team. They, they did, did what they, they had did to do. What they they, had did, to do and at they home. should have swept it when they were there. Well, they didn't, so they can't. But they did this time, and so I give them credit for that. So we'll see. And they. Um, they ended up their season at home. They're hoping they're more home games, but yeah, anyway, so they... Cubs are better than the Bears. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I I saw part of the Bears, oh, and I saw God. yeah God. the Bears problems are everywhere. I only watched okay. that because it's uh, you know, just uh, today. Actually, is the anniversary of my dad's passing, and he loved the Bears. So did I, my mom. I looked at that. And I get, this is they are just, horrible. What's so frustrating, too, is I don't think the division is very good. I mean, the Packers had a big win yesterday, but I don't think they're that good. Detroit might be the best team. The Vikings are winless, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the Vikings di- are winless. The division is weak. In fact, and they the, could have won yesterday. And the Bears just suck. So who wins, the Bears or Cocaine Bear? Cocaine um, Bear. Well, Cocaine, but I don't know if he will last. <laughs> he may, his heart may he would be he off to a big lead, though. His heart may explode. <laughs> Well, anyway, guys, take take care. All right, All right. thanks, Karen. Bye. All right, bear. All right, so Iowa versus Michigan State. I think they're going to win. Like 20. Iowa versus Purdue on Peacock. I think they're going to win that game too. At Wisconsin, lose. Minnesota here, win. By week, um, push. 
win a win off the field. That's what bye weeks are for. You win off the field. At Northwestern Wrigley Field. Win. Rutgers here. Win. Illinois here. Win. At Nebraska. Uh, that one, I'm going to say win. I mean, those teams, all you named, all, all those teams are not as good as I thought they were going to. Illinois is not nearly as good as I thought they were going to be this year. No, their, their quarterback is decent. He had a decent game the other day, but I've also seen him not play very well. They do not have that Bill Cow running back no, that they've they had. The defense isn't. The defensive line is good. They have one of the best defensive linemen in the country playing. But, no, I just – and me reeling off all those wins, with that's not me saying that I think Iowa's really good because I don't think Iowa's very good. Well, they I think they're showed the, Saturday that they are – They're not elite. I, I think they're the best of a really weak, weak schedule. Minnesota seems – this may be one of his worst teams in a while. They're, you lose like that at Northwestern, that's not a good sign. No. Because I still don't think Northwestern's very good. I see, I'm, I'm surprised that the Minnesota's rushing attack has been so – I mean, I didn't know. They must have been pretty good Saturday. Well, they're, they're, but, the guy who could be starting for them is Penn State's third-string running back, that Trey Potts. Oh, yeah, that's he right. He was at Minnesota, and now he's at Penn State. He's third team. and So, yeah, I mean, it's, their running game is non-existent this year. I don't. I don't know what it did Saturday. It may have. They did score. They, they must have. They did score a decent some. amount of points. But I just thought Minnesota was above losing to a Northwestern team that's really not very good. Well, but maybe it turns out that Northwestern might be better than all of us are thinking. Who knows? I mean, well, it still has to play out. But none of the teams, and even Wisconsin's flawed. That's this is not a this isn't a Barry Alvarez type great Wisconsin team. That's just. I, I sure wish they were here. Yeah, I mean that would help. I think that would definitely help. But. So basically, I've got Iowa still going when I picked them to go ten and two. Yeah. I mean, I we all had them losing to Penn State. Now you had it a lot more decisive yes. towards Penn State. Yeah. So yeah, my pick, even though the pick was right, it was about as wrong in every way you could be. I only had Iowa losing by three points. I thought it would be more of a defensive slugfest, but I never dreamed that the offense would just be a three and out machine. I thought the offense would at least get two hundred yards. Hell, they got seventy six. Oh, it was bad. I mean, it was just it was. It reminded me of the seventies. Well, it reminded me of some of Petrus's games. It reminded me of Iowa, Wisconsin, and when they had seventy-seven. Yeah, Yeah. these stats were not an anomaly. They've had these stats before. We've laid eggs like this before. But it was just this one just seemed maybe the worst because it was the most recent. But we brought McNamara was brought in to help fix all this stuff, and you could tell he was hopeless. He had no answer. He needs stuff around him, too. But at some point, a quarterback also has to make a play now and then, too. Well, and that seemed beyond his reach. I, I, I hearken back to what you you said all summer long. Yeah, Cade McNamara did lead him to the playoffs, but it was with Michigan players and not Iowa players. Best offensive line in the country. And that has turned out to be absolutely 100% correct. Yeah, and so since McNamara has been gone from Michigan, how many games have they lost? Three, two, three two, over two years? Yeah, I mean... So he had a great supporting cast. He had great running backs, Heem Haskins, Blake Corum, and I think even Donovan Edwards was maybe a freshman that year. He just had a way better supporting cast. And he never went into a game and played a game without the ability to feed off the running game because the running game was there every time. Now it's hardly ever. I mean, look what happened. They beat Western Michigan because they ran the ball up and down the field. They were a better team. But those games are aberrations now. They just don't happen very often. Hello. Cade also had Michigan's offense, meaning their scheme. Well, that yes, that too. Yeah, and I think schemes, though, can be made to look a lot better when you can run the ball. And another thing I want to ask you real quick, you know how we, or Iowa, has analytics against the team they're facing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
why don't they do any analytics against themselves and then don't run them damn plays? I would like to think they probably do. I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know how detailed they get it, but I'm sure it's got got to be pretty. I think de- it's plenty I'm detailed. I think it's plenty detailed. I think at some point it just comes down to being able to run, to make plays, and I. They are predictable, so. Yeah, but if they're I mean, that predictable, I've seen other good teams be predictable and still have success. All right, because yeah, I was listening to I don't know ESPN or something, and they were comparing Petrus to Cade, and they were they basically they came down to they're both in the same offensive scheme. Well, yeah, they, they are. Yes. No, that's what I what I wrote. This is not a quarterback issue. Is I mean, I think it's more of an offensive philosophy how Iowa chooses to play. And like Don brought up, that screen pass, everyone saw it coming. Yeah, they are predictable in some ways, but what I'm saying is they were predictable in 2002. Yep. There were times when I knew, that, hey, they're going to run that bubble screen with C.J. Jones. They ran it because they had really good guys blocking and executing. But I think that part of the game has caught up to them. And I just don't – do you think it's more – Kirk just does not want to change at this stage. I still think he's digging his heels in and says, this way wins. Look what we've done. We won 10 games this year. And there, I think there also is this philosophy – there seems to be this belief for fans that as long as Iowa wins seven or eight games and nobody embarrasses the program, Kirk's fine. Do you think that – you know more the behind the Iowa scenes. If we think- only get seven or eight wins this year, the the for sale signs are going to pop up in Kirk's yard. Oh, Kirk yeah. won't be fired. If they, if they go seven and six, you're saying you think Kirk's going to uh, be fired? No, I'm There's saying no the way. fans are going to revolt. Oh, I think they'll be upset, but they, Kirk would never be fired. With se- seven, seven wins, wins against this schedule, the fans are going to – we've talked about this before, and you said, you know, uh, as soon as we start losing, then the empty seats are going to start showing up. The thing is, though, we said all see. this last year, then they get a couple guys in the portal and they sell out all their home games. Yeah. Hey, so, Pat. Yeah. And – can Scooter go back and give you that schedule again after last weekend and you give the scores now on what you think? I want to hear if there's any three to twos. Thanks. <laughs> well, as long as we win, we have the threes. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to win some of these games 17 to 12, 19 to 8. I, yeah, no, I don't think there's going to be. We this is not going to be basketball on grass. I'm saying this is more a product of the other teams they're playing than me saying, oh, I think I, I, Iowa could end up being maybe the worst 10 and 2 team in program history this year. Because I don't think they don't. There's other than Wisconsin. There's not another team that's even above average on their schedule. I'd say no, all those other right. teams. They're all below average right now. No, you're one hundred. And Wisconsin's correct. hardly a nine or a ten. They're they're like a six or a seven. These other teams are playing. If you rank them, but one, they're playing schedules easy too. Yes, and Wisconsin's playing a little better than Iowa right now. I think they're a notch above Iowa. But I would not still be stunned if Iowa went up there and won that game like ten to seven. Or fourteen to twelve, something like okay, that. Okay, so Wisconsin's three and one, correct? Yeah, they lost to Washington. Okay, State. now let's go over their schedule. They have a bye week coming up. Then uh, Rutgers at home, win. Iowa at home, win. At Illinois, I think they'll win that game. Ohio State at home, lose. But at- I wouldn't be stunned. I, I wouldn't be stunned if they beat that. Ohio State team. I know they beat Notre Dame, but I don't think Notre Dame's a great team. At Indiana. I think they'll win that. Northwestern at home. Win. Nebraska at home. Win. At Minnesota. 
uh, right now I'd say win because it doesn't look like Minnesota's very good. So, yeah, Iowa, but Tom, they're all going to have similar type of easy schedules because now they're all just playing themselves and there's not many good teams in the conference. Yeah, well, that, no, that's there's right. just not many. I mean, I'm still not convinced Maryland's a great team, but right now they're fourth in my power rankings. Uh, they're, offensively, they're tough. Yeah, they are, but there's been other years where they're offensively they're tough. But I could see Maryland going to play Alabama and getting just Dope boat race. Just, yeah. yeah, not yeah. being able to do anything on offense. And I think Maryland's defense feeds off a lot of what its offense is doing and what have you. But I just think this year is a bizarre year to where Iowa, even with what is obviously a struggling offense, can still win a lot of games. And I think that's what Kirk's approach is going to be. But right. these people that want us to go to these Tuesday press, you know, Kirk, when are you going to fire your son? It doesn't, you, it just, well, you can't, it doesn't work that yeah, way. Yeah, it's not going to be uh, treated well. You're not going to, It's this is not the New York media, the Yankees, you know, George Steinbrenner, or Billy Martin games. It's just not that way. There's got to be a little level of decorum. And I mean, I wrote some pretty critical stuff. I, I mean, right now fans are frustrated because they think Brian Ferentz is receiving preferential treatment, right? That's fair to say. That is fair to say. And I think a lot of fans feel that way. If his last name was Smith, he would not have been the well, he wouldn't offensive have been hired. coordinator. He wouldn't be on the staff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I think we can all agree with that. But it's not like you can go, you know, Kirk, you're giving your, you're giving your son all these breaks. Why haven't you fired? It's just not going to work But I that don't way. see he didn't. Has he fired uh People have left. They've never left under the, the premise the, that they were being fired. Never in the middle of a season. But no, never not in the middle, during the middle of the season. season. No, so that's, it, it wouldn't happen It's anyway. ridiculous to fire somebody middle of the season. Unless, of course, there's cause and what have you. you know. But no, I mean, Brian Ferentz, right now, he's just not producing as the coordinator. And it's, it's an old, tired storyline, but it's just not going away. Hello? Hello. Hey, we got to remember, this is all going to come to an end next year or two years when we bring in all those teams from the west coast eight nine wins they're not going to be there well it's going to be harder yeah it sure will Well, it's definitely going to be harder yeah i would agree with that that's you know and why don't we bring back those championship wrestlers on that offensive line just a just a bulldoze you know get mean and get nasty and these guys just don't have it right now what championship who are you talking about well like worse he was a championship wrestler you know oh okay that were really good wrestlers in high school. I don't think we have them on the line right now. They're not mean, and they just got to get after it, and they're not doing it. Well, they're not getting it done. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't no know if they're wrestling. About that. Um, they've had some great linemen that were wrestlers, and yeah. some that weren't. So yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So, but yeah, whatever the case, the offensive line is not developing. They're not young well, anymore. When you got guys, when you got going through the middle like that, they don't even get cut. I mean, mm-hmm. Kate can't do. He can't be expected. Yeah, I mean, but, Wirfs and Linderbaum were both great wrestlers. Mm-hmm. They were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just, uh, I don't know. They just, they got to get something going on that line because it's, it's not going to work in yeah. way two years from now. It, it's going to get, it'll get ugly in two years. Well, I, well it's next year. I mean, it's next, it's next year. year. Yeah, well, even next year will get ugly. Well, yeah, that's, that's it's going to get ugly. We don't even know what the schedule is next year yet. No, they haven't released them yet. But you know, you're bringing in three teams that are in the top ten. Did right? You see now. what Oregon did to Colorado? Yes, just dismantled, De- destroyed them. them. Yeah, Coach Prime. Coach Prime. Yeah. So three teams front that are currently in the top ten are coming into the Big Ten next year. Yeah. 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 It's, it's uh, they better got pretty quick here. Yeah. 
Thanks, guys. You bet. Yeah. You better get a smart TV because you're going to be watching a lot of games. There's going to be uh, on on the Peacock uh, Network. Can't you just call on the it? Peacock <laughs> Network? So I'm saying, P. See how I'm doing it, Tom? Yeah. I'm getting a little bit of satisfaction too, without breaking your rules. Your censorship. <laughs> yeah. You're like Trump, man. You just want to censor me. <laughs> Oh, no, who is it? Biden or Trump? Who's the sense? Who does more censoring? Well, I don't know. I'm just. I, we're not going there. Nah, we don't want to go there. We don't want to go. We don't. Want, I'm tired of politics. I am too. Hello. I um, I kind of agree with uh, Pat. Is that we need to get our uh, wide receivers a lot more involved in the uh, in the offense. You know. When we don't do that, we're just doing favors for the defense, and we're not good enough to do uh, any favors. No. no, no, we're not. No, but you know, the, the they were getting open in some of the earlier games, and Cade was not getting it to him. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, last uh, Saturday, nobody was. I wasn't seeing a lot of people being open. Yeah, I try not to get depressed over one game. It's one game. Fair enough. One game. Yeah. Uh, as an aside, um, I think Green Bay may have found themselves another quarterback. He was good at the end yesterday. Who was it? Um, what's it? Jordan Love. For, oh. Played at Utah. Uh. Jordan Love. Yep. You know, how, how can they get three uh, good quarterbacks in a row and the Bears can find any of them? Yeah. <laughs> I think the Bears have their problems with Justin Fields go beyond just him. Their philosophy, their I just, I just think they're a poorly coached team right now. Well, I think the whole organization needs to be shuffled. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, neither here nor there. I mean, I know nothing about pro football, but for any organization to pick Mitch Trubisky as your number one pick is insanity. That was ridiculous. I mean, Justin Fields, I can understand. There's a lot of potential there. Yes, they're just trying to use him the wrong way, and I just. And this coach, their head coach, he's a defensive-minded coach. Their defense is terrible. Their offense has no imagination. I, it's just depressing. And this is a tough week for me. My three favorite football teams are Iowa Hawkeyes, Notre Dame, and the Chicago Bears. And they all three lost. And two of them got destroyed, and the other got beat on the last play of the game at home. I mean, think about that. Yeah. It was a tough weekend. Yeah. You got a three-peat this week, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> But, no, I like, like I said, I think the schedule is still very favorable for Iowa. Kirk, one thing you can say about Kirk is he gets through these situations. He knows that fans are at a fever pitch now. He's just going to do the old mule with blinders on. Just all that matters is beating Michigan State. Then he'll go to that podium after the game and say, we got a lot of work to do. We're happy for the win. We're 4-1. and one. And then they're going to go into a game where I think they're going to be 5-1. and one. I mean, I just I nothing I saw Saturday, as bad as it was, is making me change my mind on that. No, I don't think so either. I think they uh, get to a – an opponent that's at least in their league. Well, they'll probably lose. Their level, anyway. Yeah, I and don't. Yeah, they'll be beatable, or they'll they'll be able to win games. And the real, uh, as you say, the real crux will, assuming everything goes okay, will uh, come down to Wisconsin game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. But it's another season where it's obvious that it doesn't look like they're an elite team. I mean, they're. Oh no, they're we just, showed they're it just not. And I think that's the last frontier, right, guys? Yeah. You're 25 into this thing. Brian in his seventh year as coordinator. Another West Division title. You can never scoff at that. That is a, no. an accomplishment. But if if chat room, uh, I think Kirk retires at the end of the year. I don't. 
I don't either. Not yet. I, I I don't think he I don't think he coaches through the length of his some, contract. Some, some sure hope he does. I don't think he'll go all the way through the twenty nine season, but I don't think he retires at the end of this season. No, I don't no. either. And I'm not convinced Brian will be gone either. Oh, I'm not either. I mean, no, if still, they win, there's it, still a lot that has to play. We win ten games and win the West. There will be no changes. And what if they win ten games, win the West, and let's say they score thirty five against Nebraska, and they may get. A lot can happen right now. I mean, you can't just take everything based on what you saw Saturday and think that no. it's going. Yeah, they've got serious issues on offense. They do. Oh, no question. But they don't have Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Oregon. Those teams aren't on their schedule. They've no. got Purdue, Rutgers. They got a lot of mediocre to bad teams. I mean, Illinois is not. They barely beat a lower level team the other day to go two and two. They're not very good. No, they're not. Illinois is not very good. Hello. One thing that confused me when I was watching the game, right when we fumbled, the officials are running to the players to see who's where the ball is at. But in the background, you can hear the announcer at the stadium say, Penn State's ball, first down. I thought, what? They haven't even got to the ball. Are oh, you talking about Eric All's fumble? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, well, I thought well. He must have had a better view than us. No, he's a homer. Well, he's a homer, and it was clearly a fumble, yeah. but he yeah. couldn't have seen that clearly from the booth. Right. So, yeah, right. he was just being a homer. Every school homer. has him. Yep. It was well, unfortunate. Was Eric was just trying to make a play. Who was that Bears quarterback 10 years ago that they paid like $80 million for? Trubisky? No good. Mitchell Trubisky. No. Before uh, him? Oh, before him? Um, I don't even he, remember. He, he hooked up with that good-looking gal. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I have no, oh, that that one that one football player that hooked up with a good looking gal. That quarterback, that NFL quarterback who landed a hottie. <laughs> the, no, no name is coming to mind here. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of. Oh come on, he was maybe he was there seven years ago, but they paid like eighty million for him, and he was a dud. Mitch Trubisky. Well, nope. He was drafted high. Yes, he was. Number- this guy's saying they traded for. Oh, I, traded for the him? name is just escaping me. If any Bears fan, let me see if anyone's listening that. Oh, Jay Cutler. Yep. Jay Cutler. Oh. That's right. I forgot what all about Jay Cutler. What a waste of money. That, what a waste. Of, they spent so much At the time, it. though, it didn't seem to be a waste because the guy did have a gifted arm. He could throw. He had great stats in Denver. And, yeah, but no, it didn't work. It, it did not work out. I forgot all about Jay Cutler. Well, how about the Broncos yeah. yesterday giving up 70 points to the Dolphins? Dolphins are really good. Wow. Mm. And the Broncos have serious problems. Is that Josie Jewell? I think so. Wow. Yeah. Well, the Bears were on course. Seventy points. The Bears were on course to give up a lot. Of, um, then, luckily, I think they kind of let up on the gas um, yesterday. But yeah, no, there were some weird scores in the NFL yesterday. The Dolphins, though, have so much speed. I mean, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, two of the fastest receivers. Who's their quarterback? Um, Tua. Oh, that's Alabama, right. And he's that's playing right. a lot better now. He's playing a lot better. Their offense, though, is so explosive. So do you think Talia will play in the pros, or is he too small? I, I, well, he's not a whole lot smaller than his brother. I think he – I like his mechanics almost more than his brother. I don't know. I think he'll get a look. He is pretty small, though, but I do think he will get a look. He throws a nice ball. He does. They're not bad. Maryland's got some really good offensive players. No, I, I enjoyed watching And if that him. defense can hold up and just do its part, Maryland has a chance to – I mean, I think they won seven or eight games last year. They had a winning season last year. Well, they've done the same thing the last two or three years as they beat up early on. They go 3-0, and 4-0. And then they start playing tough teams. And then they start playing the good teams And when in their teams divisions. punch them back, they're not really good at punching mm-hmm. back. So we'll see. Maybe this team, 
maybe this team has what it takes. I mean, they can score. They he's Mike Loxley is a proven recruiter, good. And I'm I'll tell you what, I'd rather play Purdue and Nebraska and Rutgers and all these other teams that I was playing than Maryland. Oh, you bet. I mean, think about it. The four teams I would they don't have to play Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan. And who's is that it? Would that be the We don't play Indiana. And Indiana, those are the four teams they don't play. Three of those teams you're glad you're not playing. Them. Yeah. Hello. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Hey. That was the perfect way to open this show. Show this morning, the sun came up. Yep. Yeah. It's still but, up. Um you know, Kate is hurt. Yes. You know, what I would set him. You know, I would. And I need to ask, where, where is the quad? It's that, that injury. It connects the knee saying? to the hip joint, doesn't it? But I think it's the knee. You know, I mean, it looks like he jarred that meniscus. And, yeah, that I, I, I don't. The I don't knee know. has never been I mentioned. I think it's worse yeah. than yeah, I couldn't tell you. But they're also saying that it isn't going to get worse by playing him. It's just. It's I'm just surprised insane. that it hasn't gotten much better. My I God, mean, yeah. And, and when he took off running. With all the therapy and everything uh, you get, I figured it would be better at this stage. I, I would say. Oh, yeah, that run for 18 yards, that was, I mean, a, a normal healthy quarter. I mean, I think Petrus could have gained 20 yards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, he, he was just. Move, Stanley. You know, you're comparing him, but. Uh, at the beginning, you know, like in training camp, or when I seen him, man, he was moving good. And then ever since that little, ugh. yeah, ever since he's he's hurt. I know. I wish they'd set him, but hey. But it doesn't. What, what, if it doesn't do any good, it doesn't to do any do good that. to sit him. Yeah. To, they uh, have. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Catch twenty-two gigs. Yeah, it, that's right. Well, they must believe even at less than a hundred percent that he's their best option at quarterback. Yeah. Um, and then the Bears, yeah, I was telling me and my girlfriend's watching. I go, man, it's the Hawkeye game. Look, they fumbled. <laughs> oh, it's interception. Uh. Yeah, it was tough. I quit you watching know, the Bears. Yes, I couldn't. I couldn't keep watching it. <laughs> um, but like they have been saying, I think they're overcoaching him. Let him do his gig. You know. Who are you talking about, Cade? No, I'm talking um, Justin. Field. Oh, oh! I think they're trying to make when him a pocket passer, and he's not. Yeah, he is. He, 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 no, no, not at all. He ran for over a thousand yards last year. You got to let him play more on the run. So. Yeah, unbelievable. But yeah, I think they'll come around hopefully. And uh, I'm, you're more, op- you're more no. optimistic than I am. No, they're not. They're not coming to, around. No. They're not coming they're around. Terrible. They never. They do. may win a couple games. They're they won going three into. Come on, I gotta be positive. Okay, guys. all right. The sun come up. All They're right. going okay. into early hibernation, friend. What would have uh, Don or anyone all said right. if it would have been raining today? Yeah. All right. Hey, you guys take care. You too. Show. Hey, thanks bye. for the call. Yep, God, the other thing with that Bears game, they just kept showing Taylor Swift up in the the booth. Honest with, to God, I mean, who? Uh, you know, I'm glad that now she's getting attacked she's, by MAGA. Yeah. They hate J- Travis Kelsey because I guess he did endorsements for Pfizer. <laughs> And for Bud Light, now MAGA just hates yeah. him and Taylor Swift. Yeah. That's kind of funny. Taylor Swift asked uh, people to uh, register to vote, her fans to register to vote. It's like 157 million 
registered to vote after she... 157,000, wasn't it? 157 million. That's no, half, it wasn't uh, 157 million. Yeah, yeah 157,000. Well, that's a chunk. That sounded better, though, the 157. Yeah, that sounded yeah that'd really be great. Good. It did, damn it. And, uh, uh, but no, I did see that. And but I, I mean... You know, I love the MAGA one. You know, she's really not that... I don't, I, you know me, I'm not a fan of her music, but how can you not deny her greatness? I mean, oh, she is a, le- oh, I mean, yeah. I, they're trying to minimize what she's accomplished because, because she, she's woke. She contributed $5 billion this year to the U.S. economy. Because she, yeah, words. I mean, yeah. people no, it's love her unprecedented. music. People yeah. love her music. And you they love her. Yeah. yeah, and they love her and they love everything about her. And if she doesn't share your politics, that's just, but I that mean, doesn't change her greatness. God, every, you know, and I and I love her. I think she's a great artist and everything. But I don't care who she dates. I don't either. No. Yeah. You know, she can that, take her pick. There's yeah. video of her and Kelsey walking down out of the stadium, and it's just all over Twitter. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. She's single. He's single. Go. You know, what, go have some fun. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. You're both richer than crisis. Well, she's a lot richer than him, and he's rich. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's no. rich, but there's no comparison. I mean, she. <laughs> You know, I mean, she's, she's worth. Is she almost a billion yet? Is she at a billion? I don't think so. That Rihanna's at a billion, isn't she? Yes. You would think. Well, Rihanna's a business. But hers right? isn't just from performing. Hers no, is hers is businesses. Where Taylor Swift is just from being a musician, right? Yeah. Or a singer. Is she, uh-huh. Does she play an instrument? Does she yeah. play the guitar? Yes, she's and piano. Playing uh, <laughs> Kelsey's. Uh, hear that he won't let us say he won't let us say we have to say peacock but then he does that what do you think of that Tom? He, he said she's playing kelsey's instrument oh hypocrite yes i am playing the bone phone is she <laughs> can i say skin fluid on this skin, i i i've wanted to say skin fluid a few times but i've tried to hold back for the sake of decorum she is worth seven hundred and forty million. <laughs> She's doing okay. Yeah. And I think he signed a contract worth about one hundred and sixty. Hello. <laughs> you asked for it. I did not ask for it. <laughs> Tom's laughing. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So did you? Um, when did you realize the game was over Saturday? Well, I told Ann at halftime, I said, it, it's likely that Penn State has already scored enough points to win. And they needed a three and out to start that third they quarter. They did. And in fairness to Penn State's offense, and, and the Iowa defense had a chance, they didn't, but I still I agree with Don. I think then they were emotionally and physically just drained from being on the I know halftime you get a little chance to rest, but, man, they were on the field they, so much in that first They should half. have been able to... I mean, I know they got gassed. There's no question. They were on the field way, way, way too much. But after sitting down for 20 minutes at halftime, they should have been rested enough. I agree with that. But they also were playing against maybe the best offensive line. And they're just better. That just came down to Penn State was just better in the trenches. The Iowa defense is really good, but they've got their limitations too. And that left tackle for Penn State was having his way. And those running backs, like Don said, they weren't they were getting three and six and five and like it would be third and two, they'd get four. Yeah. That's just the way they did it. Kind of like the way Michigan State did it in the Big Ten Championship uh game. Remember that? Yeah. They just methodically drove down the field and the defense just kept bending and bending and then eventually broke. Yeah. Well, I think we wrap her up. 
Okay, so then we're going to turn things over to Molly Suter then. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Thanks again, Don Patterson. Great insight as usual. Yeah. I think we will be back talking about a win next Monday. I sure hope so. All right, hawkfanatic.com. Check it out. It's free.